Hey y'all, and welcome to the Teacher Nook, where we break down strategies, tools, and resources to help self-contained educators teaching students with significant disabilities, including autism. Learn tips and tricks to manage behavior, improve communication, and build vocational skills in less time and with less stress. We help you work smarter, not harder. It's Ayo here, and I want to thank you for joining me today. As always, I'm here to help you by answering your questions on teaching students with severe and profound disabilities. But before we get to today's episode, I want to remind you that you can have your questions answered on the Teacher Nook by heading over to the website and submitting a question today. If you have your question chosen for the podcast, you'll receive a free resource from the Noodle Nook store. Our store has visual supports for communication and behavior, including token boards and visual schedules, adapted novels and activities to develop students academically, like our new builder bin, your DIY dollar store STEM activities, and vocational training tools like principal and DIY task boxes, all meant to support teachers in special education or autism units. So be sure to visit www.noodlenook.net today to get your questions answered. All right, let's get this podcast started. Okay, so I'm not even going to lie. I got an email from a listener out there named Lissa, and she asks this question. I feel like I started teaching to make change with my students, but I'm not feeling like change is actually happening. I just push paperwork and tick tally marks. What can I do to be more excited about my job when the BS gets in the way? Whew. I, when I saw that, I was like, girl, I know what you are talking about. And, and I, I had to come in and read that one and do this, this question because I feel like this happens a lot when we start talking about teachers who've been in the classroom for a while. Um, Usually in the beginning of your teaching career, you're so focused on getting it that you don't have a lot of time to think about the meaningful impact that you're having. It's hard to reflect on that. But Lissa, I've got a couple of suggestions for you about how you can feel like your job is as rewarding and get excited about being in the classroom. So Lissa, I'm going to come at you with three ideas of how you can reignite the love and reignite the fire. But first, I want to make sure that I talk about you feeling like change is not happening. That is the very first place to start. And I I am a little bit of an alpha person. I love data and I love numbers. And I like when people keep data on goals they are not tracking. So very first place to start is to actually feed a little more into the ticking of the tally marks and the paperwork. I know it seems counterproductive, but it is hard to see change in some of our students. Sometimes it takes years to see substantial growth. When you are working with students in special populations, it's it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. <laughs> And it can start to feel like, oh my God, we've been counting pennies for 12 years. (laughs) But if you start to keep data on goals for your entire student pop, instead of just the specific IEP goals, it becomes easier to see the change over time. So do I say tally every single thing that your students are doing? No. But some of those big things that you're doing anyway, because a large number of students have that as IEP goals, for example, if you were teaching math, you probably are working on number recognition, um, one-to-one correspondence, number identification, 
those things you're working on as a basis for all students. Some kids might be beyond that, but some kids might just be working on one or two of those three or five items that you're always tracking. We'll track it for everybody. Those that have mastered, you don't need to track, but those that are still challenged in some ways, start making a little bit of data so you can see the trends over time. Sometimes when we can reflect back over the change that we made over months and years and not just days and weeks, we can start to feel more rewarded with the things that we're doing in the classroom with our students. So definitely, definitely, as counterproductive as it seems, keep a little more data than what you need so that you can see this growth over time. All right, so that was my number one recommendation. <laughs> keep data. I know, that's like the worst recommendation to give to a SPED teacher. Keep more data. But I swear, I sat down one. I had worked with a set of students for four years on reading interventions specifically. This was, I think, 10 years ago now. Um, and, oh, my God, it was painful for some of these guys. Like, they just, the growth was so slow. But I kept three assessments a year for the four years that I worked with them. And when I sat down in my fourth year, I could look back and see what had gone on with each of these students over the entire course of their high school career. And I could see, even in the slowest growth student, that they had still gone up half a grade level, which doesn't seem like a lot, but hey, you know, you know that's a lot. Um, so when I was able to see it over time, it just becomes more rewarding to look at this set of data and say, look at how far we've gone, even with the most difficult of students. So that was my first recommendation. The second recommendation is to bring a little bit more you into your classwork. So let me explain that a little bit more. We spend, okay, so here's a sidebar story. My husband called me up one time and literally said on the phone, if you are not back home in the next five minutes, don't come home today. And I was like, that man talking to me. And I looked at my watch and it was after 1030 at night. I had just been in my classroom all, all day till after 10. <laughs> I think about it now and it's like ridiculous, but sometimes that's how we feel. We spend as special ed teachers so much time and energy invested in our classrooms. Quite honestly, Sometimes I'm at work more, I'm awake and at work more than I'm awake and at home. Like I go home just to go to bed. So it really does make your work day more enjoyable to bring a little bit more of you to it. Now, I by no means saying move in, set up a cot, live there all the time. No, 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 no. In fact, if, you, if you've been listening, I want you to be at school less and be present at home more by working smarter and not harder. But... If you've got a passion, figure out a way to work on things like those, like that with your students. If you love reading, maybe you want to bring more novel studies into your classroom. If you love plants, maybe you want to figure out a way to incorporate your students' learning process with plants and bring some of those things to the classroom. Sometimes it can be something as simple as a fish tank if you're a fish person, just to bring a little bit more of you in the classroom and incorporate that with what your students are working on. It brings just a little bit more bliss. So number one was more tick ticking tallies. Number two was more of you in the classroom. And the third thing to hopefully make you feel a little more excited is to really get back to what brought you to the classroom in the first place. Um, I know that can seem like a big question or a big ask, but we don't make a ton of money as teachers. 
I mean, I'm going to put that out there for, for the amount of education and the work that we do in a given school year and the amount of time outside of the classroom that we invest in our classroom and our students, how much money of our own personal money we, we spend to make our classroom successful, we're not financially rewarded enough. So you did not go into teaching to be a millionaire. <laughs> you probably went into teaching for a very heartfelt and personal reason. So I would charge you to think about what it was that drew you to the classroom in the first place. And specifically, what is it that makes you get up every day and go back and teach students in special populations? Because there's got to be a really good reason inside of you that you come back and do this day after day. I, I challenge you to connect more with that reason, that thing that got you there in the first place, because it it brought you there for a reason, and it's something that's very personal to you. So maybe connecting with that a little bit more will make everything kind of feel a little more worth it. So, Lissa, I got to go back. I feel you, girl. I, I know that it's hard to see change. I know it feels like sometimes the paperwork is overwhelming, and all we're doing is taking data and ticking tally marks. But our job is so, so much more than that. It's so impactful to the students that we work with in ways that sometimes we can't even see or, or in ways that we don't know about in the short time that we work with them. So definitely connect. Start to take data so you can see some trends and bring a little bit of yourself into your classroom and into your work activities so that you can feel like, like you're being rewarded for all of the work and effort that you're putting in. So, Lissa, that's my recommendation to you. I urge all of you to stay strong and teach on. All right, y'all, this is Io here with Noodle Nook, and I will talk to you soon. There are so many questions out there about how to be the best teacher you can be when you work with low-incident students and students with severe disabilities like autism. And we need all the great teachers we can get, so stay strong and teach on. Thanks for listening to The Teacher Nook. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing now. You can do that by visiting www.noodlenook.net or searching on your favorite podcast player. Bye, y'all. Till next time.